Welcome to Tower Pod from St Mary's. We're taking a break from sermons to follow some chapters from John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. If you remember the last episode, Christian had been pulled from the Slough of Despond by help, and Pliable had abandoned him and gone home. So we take up the story again when Pliable arrives home. And I'll give a little commentary at the end. Enjoy. Now, in my dream, by this time, Pliable had arrived home to his house, and his neighbours came to visit him. Some of them called him a wise man for coming back, and some called him a fool for endangering his life by going with Christian in the first place. Others just made fun of him and mocked him for his cowardliness. They said, If I had started this adventure like you did, I wouldn't have been so timid as to quit after just a few difficulties. Pliable sat cringing among them at these words, but after a little time passed, he gained some confidence. When his neighbours saw he regained confidence, they turned against poor Christian instead and ridiculed him behind his back. However, even though they were no longer talking about him, their words against Christian concerned Pliable. Now, as Christian walked alone, he spotted a man in the distance crossing the field to meet him. Eventually their paths met and the gentleman introduced himself as Mr Worldly Wiseman. He lived in the town of Carnal Policy, which was a large town close to Christian's hometown. Worldly Wiseman acted as if he had foreknowledge of Christian's leaving the city of destruction, as if the leaving of destruction was a topic of much gossip, not only in the town where he lived, but also in other places where the news seemed to have spread. Because worldly wiseman had an inkling of his coming, he had spotted Christian's arduous approach. When worldly wiseman observed Christian's sighs and groans and the like, he engaged him in sympathetic conversation. Greetings, good fellow. Where are you travelling, burdened in this manner? Burden manner indeed, I think it's as large a burden as any poor creature ever had to carry, Christian said. And where am I going, you ask? Let me tell you, sir, I'm on my way to that distant wicket gate. Christian nodded in the direction of his goal. For there, I've been told, I will gain entrance to the place that will rid me of my heavy burden. Do you have a wife and children? Worldly Wiseman asked. Christian nodded. Yes, yes, I do, but I am so weighed down by this cumbersome burden that I can no longer enjoy their company like I used to. In fact, it makes me feel more like I don't even have a family. Worldly Wiseman studied Christian for a moment. Will you listen to me if I give you advice? Christian considered his answer. If it's good advice, I will, because, truthfully, I'm in need of some wise advice. Worldly Wiseman said, Then I would advise you to get rid of that burden as fast as you can, because, as long as you have it, you'll never have peace of mind or be able to enjoy the blessings God has bestowed on you. That's exactly what I want to do, to be rid of this heavy burden. But I can't get rid of it on my own, and I don't know of any man in our country who can take it off my shoulders. So I'm headed in this direction, as I told you, for that very purpose, to get rid of my burden. 
So who told you to go this way to get rid of your burden? Worldly wise men asked. A man who appeared to me to be a very great and honourable person. As I remember it, his name is Evangelist. Worldly Wiseman's face puckered into a sour expression. I most certainly condemn this man for his advice. There isn't a more dangerous and troublesome way in the world to travel than the way he has told you to go. You'll certainly learn this the hard way if you listen to his advice. In fact, by the looks of things, I'd say you've already experienced some of this difficulty. Isn't that the dirt and crime of the slough despond I see on you? What you don't realise is that the slough is just the beginning of the sorrows you'll experience if you listen to that man. Other pilgrims who have gone that way could very well tell you the truth of that experience. Listen to me. I am older and more experienced than you. If you continue in this direction, you are likely to experience wearisomeness, painfulness, hunger, perils, nakedness, swords, lions, dragons, darkness, and in a word, death, and who knows what else. Worldly wiseman looked Christian directly in the eye and said, These things are certainly true and have been confirmed by the testimonies of many pilgrims just like yourself. So why should a man so carelessly place himself in danger by listening to a stranger like this man, Evangelist? You don't understand, sir, Christian replied. This burden on my back is more terrible to me than are all the things you have mentioned. He shook his head. No, I've given this thought, and I don't care what perils I meet along the way, as long as eventually I can be delivered from my burden. The older man asked, How did you come by your burden in the first place? Christian raised the book in his hand. By reading this book, worldly wise man's lips thinned with disgust. I thought so. The same thing has happened to you as to other weak men who have meddled with things too high for them. They are suddenly distracted and confused, just like you, and it's humiliating. I can see the same thing has happened to you, and the problem is they turn to desperate measures to obtain what they know very little about. Oh no, Christian replied. I know what I would obtain. I'd receive relief from my heavy burden. But why do you seek relief this way, by putting yourself in the path of so many dangers to get it? If you had enough patience to listen to me, I could tell you how to find what you're looking for, without all the risks you'll run into along the way you're choosing to go. You see, the remedy I'm suggesting is nearby, and instead of dangers, it offers safety, friendship and contentment. Christian eagerly looked at worldly wise man. Please, sir, tell me this secret. Why, the answer lies just a short distance away in the village named Morality. There, ask after a gentleman by the name of Legality. He's a very judicious man, and a man of a very good name. He has skill to help men off with burdens such as yours from their shoulders. In fact, according to what I know, he has helped many pilgrims a great deal in this way. Besides that, he has the skill to cure those who are somewhat overwrought and irrational about their burdens. 
You can go to him and be helped right away. His house isn't quite a mile from here. And if he isn't home himself, he has a son who is friendly and easy to get along with, whose name is Civility. He can assist you in the same way as his father. You can be relieved of your burden there. A broad smile softened his features. If you decide not to go back to your former home, which I would recommend, you can send for your wife and children to come here to this village. Here we have suitable houses just waiting for someone to move into them. And they're reasonably priced. The living standards here are good, though a little expensive, but high quality. We have everything you need for a happy life. Plus, along with an environment you can enjoy, you would be in the company of honest neighbours who are financially secure and live a good life. And there we end our extract for this episode. I think there's um, a kind of a warning, isn't there, in um, uh, Worldly Wiseman's response to uh, Christian saying he'd read and um, got his burden from reading the book, the Bible. It says his lips thinned with disgust. Um, uh, and then he sort of said, didn't he, that the Bible uh, was too high for Christian and these matters were too high for him. And I think the clue is in worldly wise man's name. In Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. There's a kind of thinking, a worldly way of thinking, which doesn't bear any resemblance to how God thinks. And it's easy to slip into that way of thinking, as we can see from the persuasiveness of worldly wise men's argument. We see that um, there's an attraction for Christian the pilgrim. There's the attraction of the town of uh, morality and the man legality. And... Um, We'll, we'll hear in the next episode how Christian fares as he's tempted by these things. But just to say that morality and legality are ways that we may try to make ourselves right with God, to be trying to, good, to be good, and to be um, seeking to be at peace with God and the world and our own inner self by doing those things which we see are good. And helpful. But actually God isn't after that and that isn't exactly what makes us right with God. There's much more to it and we'll learn more about that in the next episode. So I hope um, I can leave you with that little teaser to continue. Thanks for listening to Tower Pod and I look forward to you joining me another week when we release the next episode. God bless. Welcome to this week's podcast, The Tower Pod from St Mary's Marston Mortain with Lidlington. A message from the Gospel and a thoughtful sermon each week. Do subscribe and also like and review on your chosen platform and share with your friends. Thank you and God bless. He was praying in a certain place and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as Jesus taught, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, 
say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me, the door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let us pray. O Lord, may the meditations of our hearts, our thoughts and prayers be pleasing in your sight. Amen. One of my earliest memories is being put to bed by my mother. And it was opposite to kind of what you would expect in terms of prayer time. It wasn't me that knelt by the bed for bedtime prayers. She knelt while I lay in bed, so she was sort of kneeling here. And I can remember two things about it. The love, the glow, if you like, on her face, and her absolute conviction that God would hear her prayer. She would often remind him that he would too. And so if you were to ask me, Andrew, where did you get your faith? I would say my mum, when she used to pray. And I wonder if her love and glow was a reflection of Jesus' love and glow when he prayed. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Maybe his love and glow and his absolute conviction that God would answer him was what prompted the unnamed disciple to ask him to teach them how to pray. And so Jesus teaches a prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Or as scholars point out, it's more of a disciple's prayer, a prayer of the Christian family that we all pray. And that's good. And if you don't know it off by heart, if you're new to Christian faith or exploring then it's a very good practice to learn it off by heart until you really know it. It's a transformative experience. I commend that you do that. But notice the question the disciple asked. What was it? What was his question? 
Teach us a prayer? No. Teach us to pray. And I'd like to suggest that Jesus gave him the answer that he asked for. He taught them how to pray. And how is it, you might ask, how is it that the Lord's Prayer is not a beautiful prayer? It is. And it's good to pray it. But I think it's equally important, and possibly it was designed, that it should serve to remind us of Jesus' actual teaching on prayer. That we make it our, our way of prayer. And not do it an injustice by just having it as a prayer. And so I'd like to suggest it's meant to be a way, it's meant to be a structure, a model for prayer. Uh, if you like, it's the scaffolding that we use to build our prayer. Our scaffolding is the Lord's Prayer. And how practical and helpful is that of Jesus? I don't know about you, but it can be hard to work out where to start in prayer. Where do I begin? It's much easier to start out on a journey if you've got a map and some directions, isn't it? So Jesus says, start by calling God your Father. Radical. Call him your Heavenly Father. Abba is the word Jesus used. Daddy in heaven. And realize you're part of a family, a people, our Father. So the prayer is about us, not just me. We're praying for our church family. What next? Start to praise him, hallowed be your name. Express your appreciation, your wonder, and all your praise, hallowed be your name. Name being his nature, who God is. Take as long as you like. Tell him you love him, or you want to love him. May he be honoured by everyone, everywhere, his name hallowed. And then, your kingdom come. His reign as king in your life, in the church and the world. Tell him that he is Lord. Be real with him and surrender parts of your life that you know don't fully belong to him, your struggles. Help, Lord my unbelief. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ask for guidance for your life, for his will. Be still and listen. Linger. He'll make it known to you by inspiring you with an impression, an image, sometimes words, a yearning maybe, a desire, a sense of knowing. If not now, then later. Pray for the things you think he wills in your life, your family, our church, our school, your business and workplace, the concerns you have. Tom Wright says, the important thing is to let the medicine and music of the prayer encircle the people for whom you're praying, the situations about which you are concerned, so that you see them transformed, bathed in the healing light of the Lord's love as expressed in the prayer. Align yourself in agreement with what he wants in those situations. And remember that personally, you're agreeing to do his will.
Give us this day our daily bread. Give us food, shelter, provision in our needs, the bread of friendship and hospitality, the bread of your love, God. Feed me spiritually with your word in the Bible, with Holy Communion. Ask him for what you and us need. And so it goes on. You can work it out for yourself. As I was preparing this sermon and reading the, um, I would say, the three illustrations or stories that Jesus used to explain how to approach praying, the required attitude, the disposition for prayer, because he taught the prayer and then he taught how to approach prayer, the disposition. The three being the story of the friend at midnight, ask, seek and knock, and the fish and the egg. I was literally struck by how very simply Jesus is telling us that God wants to answer our prayers. How very much he wants. He gives us the Lord's Prayer, and then his follow-up is, he will give him whatever he needs. It will be given to you. You will find. The door will be opened for you. And who is the you exactly? It's everyone. Everyone who asks. Everyone who searches. Everyone who knocks. Abraham, in our first reading, could have cut straight to the chase rather than this long bargaining thing with God. And for those of us who might actually be a little frightened of God and how he might answer our prayer, he has compassion too and he reassures us by throwing in that even we wouldn't give a child a snake instead of a fish or a scorpion instead of an egg. How much more would God give his best, the Holy Spirit, to us? So I confess that that hasn't been my attitude to prayer in large measure. I, I sort of have seen it as some kind of battle, something difficult, you know, you've got to persevere and struggle with. And I wonder how many of us have been actually maybe like the ugly duckling in the Hans Christian Andersen story in regard to prayer. Lonely, feeling on the outside, unworthy, wishing that we could fly in prayer. And yet Jesus is saying, look at your reflection in the water of God's love. You are a swan in prayer. I have made you so that you can fly in your prayer. And I'm waiting for you like the flock of swans in flight that you long to join. Fly with me in prayer where you truly belong. And I'd like to, um, to demonstrate for you a kind of a body prayer of the Lord's Prayer. Um, it's, it's like, um, you know, the body prayer. We have it with, you know, the sign of the cross, don't we, in some traditions. We have it with lifting arms in praise at some traditions as well. And um, I just think it's a lovely way of, of visualizing the prayer. And I'd just like to commend to you, what would it be like to, to rise in the morning? Do sit down, sorry. What would it be like to get up in the morning with this beautiful sunshine that we've got 
and to begin your day with a body prayer like that. How lovely it would be. And now a challenge for your week ahead. Here is the framework Jesus knew that we would need for prayer. Here is your Heavenly Father waiting and longing for you to use it day by day as you grow in your knowledge, love and service to him. What is stopping you from making it your own?